0: As it said, this is the Bible, Revelation nineteen six. that I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings. And you look, we're not a large congregation, it is so sweet to hear, not an orchestrated song, but a new song, just to the Lord, with each person singing out. Can you imagine... What heaven is going to be like. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the voice of multitudes cry out, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. They cry out, Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. I think it'll sound like that mighty river. That rushing river. The Lord omnipotent reigns. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, you're worthy. You're so worthy, God. So worthy, God. And we say, be magnified in our lives. God, we thank you for the sound of heaven. God, I thank you for... Gifted songwriters and singers, but God, there's nothing that compares to the sound of heaven when hearts just cry out to the one who's worthy. God, that's what we declare today. Worthy are you, God. Worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Worthy are you to receive glory and honor and praise. Adoration and thanksgiving. And God, we just say, Yes, you are worthy. You're worthy, God. Thank you for the privilege that, God, we can step into that place that's outside of time, <laughs> into your presence. God, that you choose to dwell with us. You choose, God, to make us your habitation, Lord. Wow, God, we, we magnify you. We declare, great are you, God. God, I ask you, expand our understanding, even this morning, to know God in greater depths, your love for us, to know God in greater depths, <clears throat> what and who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you've placed in us, God. That we would be faithful in partnering with you, God, we'd be sensitive as Jesus was in John 5 to see what you're doing, to say what you're saying, and to do what you're doing. Hallelujah. God, we magnify you. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you. Have your way in us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, wow, wow. There's nothing like the sound of heaven. Nothing like the presence of the living God who loves us. Father, we're just humbled by your presence. Acts 2.2 and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting you notice when God does things he does things big he said in Revelation it was like the sound of many waters and here he said it's like a mighty rushing wind God is not short on ability. He's not short on ability, uh, how He shows up and when He shows up. And He's able to do in a moment what we've been praying for. He's able to do in a moment what we uh, have been asking and desiring for. Sometimes we're even unaware of what He's doing. Last week, I shared out of Matthew chapter 10. I talked about Azusa Street and what happened in 1906 in California. And I talked about in 1907, there was a G.B. Cashwell who left from North Carolina and uh, went to this revival that was taking place. And I talked last week a lot about the history of Azusa. I talked about... uh, what happened and that was the outpouring of the spirit and you know i made the comment that everywhere we see in scripture and we see in history where there's an outpouring of spirit there's an outpouring of his love there's a manifestation of the tangible love of god and the presence of god where men's hearts are gripped and they understand that god of the god of heaven has come to visit in a tangible way with man and men men's hearts are are uh, drawn to him, in the church, out of the church. And um, today I want to talk a little, I want to share a little about my heart behind this because I want you to understand when I talk about Azusa here, I'm not talking about a day, I'm not talking about a meeting that will be held on a specific day. And I know this will sound like an oxymoron, you know what that is, right? It's two contradicting terms uh, with a little southern slang on it oxymoron and uh, because there's a day day involved but my heart is this is that it's the hope for this world that we live in it's not in a new president it's not in any uh, thing that man can conjure up or do the hope for this world is the man Jesus Christ that's it it's him and him alone and it's the person of Jesus, and Hebrews chapter one verse three says that Jesus is the express image of God. That means the exact representation. It doesn't mean a copy. It means the exact representation. If you see one, you've seen the other. So when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that uh, he represented the Father well on the earth. In Matthew ten, last week we looked at Matthew ten chapter. Uh, the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 10. And we saw that Jesus, in the beginning, Jesus calls his disciples. He, t- he commissions them and he sends them out. In verse 8, he said, freely you've received. Free- Let me just look at it. I've got it right here. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew 10, 7, and 8 says, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So we see that was exactly what Jesus did. He's the exact representation and express image of God. So Azusa here, my heart for Azusa here, the day, April 9th, my heart for that day is it be an opportunity for the body of Christ to come together. And not beg God for a move of God, but agree with what God has already poured out in the power of his Holy Spirit and say, God, we are a place that wants to be a habitation for you, not today on this day, but for a lifestyle. That I believe God can make shift. I believe he can shift a country, a nation in a day. I believe he can do that. And that's my heart in this. Is not that we gather and we have a charismatic hoedown. But I want you to understand, religion in and of itself, it, it, religion is what man does according to what they believe. Religion, we've made religion bad. Because we, the saying is, I want relationship. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. And that's so true. But religion is the practical expression of what that man believes. Are you tracking with me? So religion itself when we've made religion our god it's bad. But religion how we manifest what we believe is not bad. You might be able to title this message oxymoron. Because I'm going to because I want you to understand does that make sense? We can we me throughout my past have said religion is bad, relationship is what you want. But there's going to be some religion to your relationship. There's going to be some manifestation of what you believe. And what's happened in society is there hasn't been any religion with relationship. Amen, preacher. So what am I saying? Is that we have gone into relationship, but that relationship has become so intimate, it's between God and I and that only. And it has no expression anywhere else. Are you tracking with me? And what I think is needed right here, right now, is awakening for the body of Christ especially those who believe in that this, that we have the gifts of the spirit, the power of God an operation in our lives. There's, a, there's time, it's time for an awakening of those who say, yes, I know I'm saved. And yes, I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came not just to give me tongues, as wonderful as tongues are, and I don't make light of tongues, Paul said I speak in tongues more than you all I would that you all spoke in tongues so it's not something creepy or weird it's pow- it's an evidence of the power of God on the inside of you Jude 20 says when you pray in tongues you build yourselves up on your most holy faith that word build yourself yourself is not your spirit it's yourself your whole self every bit of you It's your whole self is what it means. When it says yourself, it's spirit, soul, and body. When you pray in the spirit, your body is built up. Do you understand there's been two different medical studies done that when you pray in tongues, it activates a part of your brain that's not activated any other time? Do you understand when you pray in tongues, there's a medical study been done that the speech part of your brain is not activated? Because you're not praying from your head, you're praying from your spirit. Two different studies. One that shows that when you pray in tongues, that endorphins are little. It's healing to your body. When you pray in tongues, endorphins are released released into your body to bring health to your body. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. That's why the devil hates it, right? Because he don't want you to be healthy. He doesn't want you to be powerful. He doesn't want you to be stirred up. He would rather you sink to the bottom. And we have allowed the pressures of the world to say, no, keep that tongue thing in your closet. Now, I'm not saying we go out to be offensive, but I'm saying it's time. If we believe the Bible to be true, you know, I've been praying again over our core values. We believe our first core value is worship. Our second core value is the word. And if we believe the word to be true, then we need to believe all of it, just not what's convenient. And we need to know that what's in here is for our good. He's a good, good father. We just sang about it. It's who he is. He's a good father. And if he's given us something, he said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? Because he knew that we would need it. And what I'm saying is my heart behind Azusa here it's not to to dig up the past it's not to try to make something happen but it's to say awake a church awake awake to what awaken to what's already on inside of us awaken to the reality that we're not the weirdos shoved in the corner I'm sorry but I gotta say it nobody puts baby in the corner (laughs) that's for you honey Nobody puts baby in the corner. It's not about us flexing our uh, charismatic muscles. It's about people saying, I understand. If Jesus said this, Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem till you be what? Endued with power. Acts 2 2, I just read it. He said, on that day, it was as a rushing mighty wind. In heaven, it was many, the sound of many waters. What that shows us is this church ought to be one that stands up, that's triumphant, that's victorious, that's strong, that's not hiding in the shadows. I'm coming. Thank you. That's what God poured his life out for. Not just that we could get to heaven. Thank God we're going to heaven. Thank God. I don't don't think, I don't care who's seen it, I don't think any mind can comprehend what heaven is truly like. The sound that comes out of heaven, of worship going on, the presence of God, and the absence of everything that's not God. Not just the devil, but the flesh, the will of man, the subversion of man, it's not there. (laughs) That's amazing. And God said, I've placed inside of you heaven here on earth. And it needs to be released. I'm I'm not just talking about we go around Shondayan, but I'm talking about we build ourselves up on our most holy faith and we go out in the power and the authority of the living, risen God who lives on the inside of us. That just like the Lazarus, that we loose him, And let him go. That's what excites me about a meeting of people coming together of like precious faith who come together and say, Yes, Jesus is alive. He lives in me. I was I was talking uh, this week with Pastor Bruce Ritter from Christian Life Assembly. And we were talking about this, and I was telling him, I said, You know, my heart, and, and he's the same way, I said, My heart is not a meeting. He said, but my heart is so excited for the idea of a meeting. He said, you've got to understand. He said, I've been in this area for 18 plus years, been pastoring for 16 or 18 years. And he said, just what I said. He said, the charismatic church has been looked down upon. They've been looked at as as weird. And he said, it's so segregated and, and fragmented believers that he said, What this does to me, it just stirs me on the inside to think we could come together, not for a hoedown, but for a passion to worship the king who's worthy and to see ourselves stirred up and unleashed on the world around us. As I was uh, praying about it, you know, God just really kept speaking to my heart, awakening Awakening, And, and as, I, as you look through Scripture in, in Isaiah, he talks about to awaken, awake, O sleeper. And, and we see throughout Scriptures, he's, he talks about awakening. And it's, see, that's why I say my heart in this is not that we come together and beg God to do something. He's done it, right? Acts 2, he did it. He poured out his spirit on, on all flesh. He's, he's poured his spirit out. He's not holding it back. We don't have to beg him to release something that he's holding on to. That's the wrong concept. But what we are doing is we are agreeing. We're saying, God, awaken in us. And I, you know what? I'm going to tell you, every one of us, I don't care how hard you're chasing after God, every one of us have a new level of awakening. Every one of us have a new place that we can step into. When you think that you're not, you're deceived because he's bigger than we are. Many times our God begins to look just like us. You know why? Because that's comfortable. That's comfortable. Our God looks like us because when He looks like us, then we can contain Him and then we don't have to step outside of us. (laughs) So the Lord spoke these things when I was talking about awakening. The Lord spoke this to my heart about Azusa here. And I just say that name because it's a landing place. Does that make sense? It's not the event. It's a landing place where we can all draw our attention and know what I'm talking about. But I feel that the heart of the Lord in this is an awakening. Awakening, one, to the person of Jesus and his love and grace. uh, An awakening to the presence of God and his glory. and An awakening to the power of the Holy Spirit and his gifts. That's my heart for this, that there'd be an awakening first to the person of Jesus. If we can see Jesus and we can make him seen, I believe it's just like in Mark's gospel when Jesus went apart to pray and, and Peter came looking for him. And when he finally found him, he said, Jesus, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. I think that's still the same today. Everyone is still looking for Jesus. They've seen man's expression of Jesus, but they're looking for, the, will the real Jesus please stand up? And he is seen through the lives of those who recklessly abandon themselves to him and say, I'll be a Romans 12, one and two disciple. I I will crucify this flesh. I will be a living sacrifice that says yes to his amen. And as we reveal Jesus and who he is, what he accomplished, what he came to do and is doing in the earth today when we partner with him, There'll be souls saved. You see, this thing is not just about the charismatics getting together. I truly believe with all my heart as there's an awakening in the people who have the power of the living God, not not just we're gonna make it to heaven power, but the power that raises the dead, heals the sick, cleanses the lepers, casts out devils, that power, which is the same that's in me, that's been freely given to me. As that power is released in a world that's unfamiliar with it, people will come to know the God who's who's too good for them to wrap their mind around, who would meet them where they are in that state and minister his love and his grace to them. That's that's the story of the gospels. That's Jesus. Did Jesus meet one person that was worthy of what he did for them? No. And For a lot of the the, uh, people that he ministered to weren't even people who were seeking him. That can mess your theology up. He encountered them. They were in different places doing different things. Some were on the road heard He he was coming and they cried out. They wouldn't be quiet. Others were manifesting in the the temple. Hello. And they had an encounter with the love and the grace of God that changed their life forever. And Jesus would tell them, look, this is what's so amazing. This is why I said there's got to be an awakening to Jesus. Jesus would encounter a person. They would be radically changed. He would say, now, don't tell anybody and go home. And they go, right. That's going to happen. Absolutely. Come see a man. you got to come see a man. His name is Jesus. Does that make sense? It stirs me up. I hope it makes sense to somebody other than me. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Does that sound relevant at all to the day that we live in? But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, is what you could say there, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the, world, in the Lord. You were once what? Darkness, but now you're what? Light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all, is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's love, joy, peace, yes. But he said here, the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, help me. If we're walking around in the fruit of the Spirit, like it says here, in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, do you think that would be attractive to an unbelieving world who's walking in darkness? who's deluded and, and disappointed and discouraged and depressed, and then we come as light, not trying to be light, but manifesting the light that he's already placed on the inside of me. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not anything that we have to produce or do. What it is is we agree with what he's already done. As we make agreement with what he's already done, that's been re- that was released out of us so that the people around us can, can partake finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What does light do? It exposes. For it is shameful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from what? Dead. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, is this relevant? Is this relevant to the day that we live in? Absolutely. He said redeeming. That's words, it's a purchasing. It's to buy back, to redeem, to buy. It's a, an accounting type terminology. It means to buy back, to redeem. The time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He said, "Don't be drunk with wine where there's dissipation, but be what? Fill. Don't be drunk with wine where there's rowdiness, where there's loss of control. You ever seen anybody filled with wine? You know who's in control? The wine." And you know what he's saying? He's saying, we should be that way, but not with wine, with the Spirit. You know, that kind of parallels Acts chapter 2. When on the day of Pentecost, it says, they stumbled out in the street, and the people were supposing they were drunk. Peter stood up. Who? Peter. Who was what before? Denying the Lord. I don't even know him. I don't know that swearing. I don't know the man. But something took place. Nope, 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 nope. Someone came in. It wasn't a thing. It's a person. Holy Spirit came upon him. And this Peter, who had no doubt denied Jesus to the same people, now looks at these people and more and says, no, these aren't drunk like you suppose. This is the Holy Ghost. This is what Joel prophesied was going to happen in the last days. He said, don't be, don't be, don't be deceived. This is God. This is God. And you know what? It looked like nothing they had ever seen before. What happened? What happened on that day? One or two got saved. 3,000 got saved. By what? A charismatic hoedown. That's what could be titled in the newspaper. There was a bunch of people gathering and praying, and then they all acted like a bunch of drunks. It was those charismatics, and they stumbled out in the street, and they converted 3,000 innocent, confused people to follow them. That would be a more contemporary headline. But they were unapologetic. They were bold because someone had infused and empowered them from the inside out with a power they didn't have before. And what I'm saying is, I believe as we gather, it, Psalms, it's, I think it's, it's 133, I don't want to be misquoted, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is there that God commands a blessing. It's like the anointing that ran down from Aaron, down his beard. Come on. He said, I desire to meet with my people. I desire that my people be filled with power. He said, here, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Do you think he's a little stirred up when he was writing this? I think so. I don't think he was just monotone I think he was a little excited thinking about man don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit (laughs) speaking to one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing making melody in your hearts to the Lord one other passage of scripture Romans 13 maybe two other passages of scripture I'm going to try to stop there. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Who's he talking to? Yeah, he's writing to believers, not unbelievers. Are you tracking with me? In both of these instances, when he says it's time to wake up, in Revelation, when he wrote to Ephesus, what did he say? What had happened with them? They left their first love. Here, he's saying again, in in Romans, he's saying it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Can you say that? Our salvation, not just our born-again experience, but salvation, sozo. It means spirit, soul, and body being brought into the fullness of who God's called us to be. Nothing broken, nothing lacking, nothing missing. That's sozo. Salvation affects every aspect of your body, but salvation also includes the catching away when we go to be with him forever in eternity in heaven. And he said, now it's closer than it's ever been before. When we first believe, verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Wow, that's twice Paul writing here says we should not have anything to do with works of darkness. Can a Christian who have works of darkness... Yes. Yes, you can, we can be so caught up in what's going on and so caught up in the system of the world. I'm not saying we should become hermits, that we should just move away from everyone and not communicate, that we should have our own little uh, commune. That's not what I'm saying. He said that we're salt and that we're light and if, for us to affect the world, we've got to be in it, right? But not of it. In it, but not of it. And he said, so cast off the works of darkness. <clears throat> And let us put on the armor of what? Light. Can you see the theme here? Yeah, I know I put them together. (laughs) I'm sharp like that, right? (laughs) But with awakening, there's light that comes. And light draws and light exposes so that men can see. Hmm? That painting? No. I haven't seen it like, no way, come on, <laughs> let me see it. no. <laughs> Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. You know what he does? He starts way out, and he brings it right up. Oh, where you just go, oh, yeah, that one, neat. yep, yep. <laughs> Let me say it again. As in the day, in revelry and drunkenness, Not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. He brings it right to the doorstep. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He said, when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're consumed with Him, when our attention is set on Him, He said, we make no provision for the flesh. It has no room. It has no place. So our attention, listen to me, our attention is not in getting out, getting rid of the things. And that's where we've misquoted that scripture. You know, we've misquoted walk in the, uh, don't walk in the flesh and you'll walk in the spirit. That's not what he said. He said, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The walk is in the spirit. Here he said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you won't do those things. So instead of focusing on all those things we shouldn't do, if we focus on Jesus if he becomes the centerpiece of our life, we focus on Jesus, those things get put off because light comes in and it exposes it. So I'm not constantly focusing on darkness. I'm focusing on light and light exposes darkness. And I go, I don't want that in me. I don't want darkness in me. So it has no place in me. Come on somebody. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. <laughs> that's hard, isn't it? I mean, that's just, you, uh, you'd have to have somebody help you conf- be confused about that. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. It'll kill you. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For it's meant, look at this. He he. He qualifies it or quantifies it here in verse 14. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. It's literally what it means, Daddy. We can get religious. <laughs> Is that word? <clears throat> we, can, we can get this mindset that, oh, that's being irreverent to call him daddy. But he said, that's exactly what it is. I I told when I was in Israel, we were in the hotel and uh, there was this uh, Jewish family getting on the elevator and this little boy come running through the lobby. Abba, 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 Abba. I was like, come on. I just had a moment right there in the lobby. (laughs) This little boy crying, Abba, Abba. And he comes running and jumps up in his dad's arms. And dad carries him in the elevator. He wasn't coming, father, father. May I approach you, father? No, it was daddy, daddy. How did I know? that? Just not because I know the definition, but because the response. When he got close to that, it wasn't like, H-. no, he went running, jumped into his dad's arms. Come on. Where am I? Do I need to start over? Just kidding. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, for I consider the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Where? In us. That's good. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. What does that say? For the creation, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing or the manifestation of the sons of God. Who is that? That's us. That's us. It says creation is eagerly waiting. For the revealing of the sons of light, the sons of God. Verse 22 says, For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth bangs together until now. Not only that, verse 23, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Of who? The Spirit. Even we, ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the, the redemption of our body. We've been adopted, placed as sons in authority. That's what that word adoption means when he says earlier in that passage when we have a, he says we've been adopted. And we cry out, Abba, Father. That means to be placed as a son of authority, in a place of authority. That's what the word adopted there. And he said, we're here waiting for even that adoption, that next step when we go be with the Lord forever. But right now, creation itself is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's who we are. That's who we are because of what he did. Does that, that make sense? And it says creation itself. So my my closes this. My heart in April 9th, when we gather with other, other believers, not just churches, other believers, <clears throat> other pastors from different denominations and different races, as we gather and we worship and we pray and declare what the Lord has said over us, <clears throat> that on that day there be such an awakening that it's not a one day event. Maybe it's like a birthing, or we could call it an awakening. <laughs> that on that day there's something that really awakens on the inside of us because it's not just that day. Leading up to that day, there's going to be events. I'm going to tell more about that as we get everything uh, nailed down. But one thing I would love to do that, and we're probably going to do is 10 days prior to the event, we're going to do a 10-day fast and we're going to pray leading up to that because Jesus was seen by over 500 people. It was 40 days after <laughs> he was crucified. And then he left and he said, go wait in Jerusalem he left 10 days prior to Pentecost. So we want to back up 10 days and just, we're going to be praying. There's some other things that we want to do prior to that 10 days, but 10 days prior to that, we want to just say, consecrate that time and say, God, I'm going to set my attention on you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray faith-filled prayers, believing, God, that you said that if, as we agree with you and we align with you, that you're going to do something that's bigger than us. That's what excites me. Not a day, not an event, but a movement of people who have relationship with Jesus, awakening to the reality of who's in us. Not just a church, but his body. I think that'll have an impact in our area. I think that could have an impact on the world. I believe it's in meetings like that. Again, it's not about a meeting, but it's in coming togethers like that that God will raise up someone or uh, will uh, awaken an individual that will absolutely change their world. I want to be one of those. That's my passion right now before the ninth gets here. But I, I just believe that as, as uh, <clears throat> we dwell together in unity, as we come together, God's going to do something amazing. And that's what this was all about. That we can see from Scripture that He says it's time to awaken. It's time to awaken. He said that in the last days it's going to be dark. We can look outside and it's daylight, but it's dark. When you look at society, you look at what's going on. And we try to manage it. You can't manage sin. You cannot manage sin. It has to be put out. And the only one that can put it out is Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.